Hello, you're listening to Earth Matters. Earth Matters brings you environment and social justice stories. Today's story was produced in the studios of Radio 2XX, Canberra, on the lands of Ngunnawal and Ngambri peoples, for Radio 3CR in Melbourne, Wurundjeri country, and broadcast nationally on the Community Radio Network. I'm Beck Horridge. I'd like to pay my respects to original elders, past, present and emerging, and to sing out, hey, it's NADOC week, which raises awareness of the status and treatment of and celebrates Aboriginal people and Torres Strait Islanders. Later in the show, I'll be talking to Jenny Weber from the Bob Brown Foundation about tall trees threatened in the Tasmanian Tarkine and about how we can stop the destruction by careful choice of the timber and paper we buy. In 2016, Joel was in jail, and this is what he said about coming home to Moona Colour Mission. Yeah, it's like a lot of memories I've had. It's like um, all the families used to go out to the Moona or Moona Colour, you know. It's like um, just go out, all the families, like, say I'd go out, shoot 20 roos, every family got a... (laughs) Kingdom. Every family got a kangaroo. Out the Weirai Forest, where I'm from, Daniloquin, like there's deer now, you know, mm. pigs. When I was growing up, you had to you had to drive to Burke, Menindee, Wilcannia, or over to St George in Queensland to get a pig. Mm. Now you got pigs right in your backyard. You're not allowed to hunt them. The deer and all the kangaroo, you're not allowed to hunt them. It's like I got fined two thousand dollars for shooting a kangaroo, <laughs> and the gun took off me. And um, it's like. It wasn't about the, the gun licence, because uh, I didn't have the gun licence on me. It's like a simple thing. I wasn't allowed to shoot the kangaroo. A lot of the old families don't come together no more. Like It's, yeah, it's like they, as a kid, there'd be like 50, 50 cousins running up and down the banks. Did you grow up on Moona? Or? Yeah, I grew up on Moona. Like Cummer Gunja as well. I grew up yeah. on Cummer. And, yeah, it's like, yeah, it's just everything's changed since the... Uh, 2000s onwards like mm. a lot of the old people are dying off and they're not the young ones are not picking it up or they don't they're not caring or they don't want to pass on that tradition they starting to become like the white man ways mm. it's me and mine not me and ours you know mm. what i mean mm. it's um that's what i tell them just they should be coming out still bringing all their families and all their kids out to the moon and it's like a lot of the huts out there are uh, abandoned now mm. it's like just a couple of old people you know i pull up and make sure they're right and it's just like um make sure they got a couple of roos even if i got to go out and legally shoot the kangaroos and whatever mm. Mm. i make sure they're right Joel talking from jail in Beyond the Bars. Here's Jenny Weber from the Bob Brown Foundation. She's speaking from Hobart, Mawiana country. Hi, Beck. Here in Tasmania, we're still seeing extraordinary tracts of native forest log. However, we have a burgeoning campaign here at the Bob Brown Foundation to be on the front line and defending those forests. An incredible number of forest defenders were arrested standing up for the defence of the Tarkine forest just in the beginning of this year. And these people have just been going through court. But what we have out in Tasmania's forests still are the giant cable loggers, for example, where because the forests are so steep when they're being logged, they use a cable logger to drag the trees up the very steep slope. 
And uh, just recently we had an action where a woman was perched at the top of a cable logger and spent three nights in her portal edge sitting at the top of that whilst logging was halted. There was also another woman on the ground locked onto machinery and was arrested. Uh, We are, like many people in Victoria and New South Wales, calling for protection of all native forests. And these uh, actions that we're doing are trying to highlight not only the fact that there is still logging going on, but the outrageous fact that this logging is going on despite our climate emergency, the global biodiversity crisis, and our post-summer fire horror. On the ground in the forests, last week we were in a forest called uh, the Esperance Valley. The Esperance Valley coop that's threatened is on the edge of the Tasmanian Wilderness World Heritage Area. So as we're driving into this threatened coop, off in the distance you can see the Hearts Mountains uh, and the uh, Adamson's Peak, these tall, beautiful uh, mountains that are in the World Heritage Area and you can see a contiguous tract of old-growth forests flowing out of that World Heritage Area, unfortunately, into the permanent logging zone. And just last week, we had the first of what we're going to be using a new tactic, uh, roving occupations in threatened forests. Knowing that uh, in the last three-year plan, which is the logging schedule that Forestry Tasmania puts out, there were 778 native forest coops. So for our foundation, uh, with a small number of people to be able to highlight those areas is uh, really, really hard. So what we wanted to do is we wanted to start to tell the story of these forests and we started in the Esperance. So as I arrived into the camp and and people had already been setting up, there was uh, two people in tree sits and there was uh, wildlife cameras that we'd set up that were recording the quolls and the devils in these forests. And uh, it was freezing cold. It snowed overnight. So those incredible mountains that I described, you can see from this coop and you could see the, the snow on the, on the tips of the forests. Though there is an incredible group of people surrounding me who are defiant and determined to take action for forests. And uh, the best way that we see right now is to be on those front lines uh, broadcasting to the world that there are these ancient forests in Tasmania that need secure long-lasting protection and instead they're on a logging schedule. These forests also have enormous leather woods, like really, really big old leather woods. And if anything, we've been learning more in the last couple of years in Tasmania is the impact of logging and climate change on the leatherwood, which subsequently feeds the bees and the bees uh, pollinate the food of Tasmania. And so the the flow-on effect of logging in Tasmania and the ongoing logging that we cannot believe is going on in rainforests and destroying leatherwoods, which subsequently is threatening the livelihoods and the food security of Tasmania is is just another way for us to understand the impact of this logging industry. Jenny's surveys show that most Australians don't want to log native forest. So how is it that bad logging practices go on, even though it's not a great money spinner? It's subsidised by the taxpayer and it doesn't provide a lot of jobs. What do you think, Jenny? Why can't the people stop native forest logging in Australia? Well, I have my days when I feel like everything is hopeless and I just cannot imagine how forests are still being logged, especially 
as I was one of, of millions of Australians that witnessed the impacts of the fires on the koala, to say the least. I grew up with Blinky Bill and, you know, Mae Gibbs and, and understanding that this was an icon of a species. However, despite the impacts of the fires on this extraordinary wildlife, it, it, we're still allowing logging in its habitat. So I do have my hopeless days, but I can't afford to stick with those hopeless days. I need to just stand up and be a voice for the native forest and the wildlife while I still can. And, and I have a vision that there is a bunch of old white men sitting around a table and they've been logging native forests for a long time and they're patting each other on the back and they think that that's the only way to be doing things. And, and it's entrenched. It's an entrenched problematic culture to think that it's okay to be stripping completely bare these large areas of forest. They think that there's an endless amount of bush. However, we know that native forests are becoming so much more important to be kept intact for carbon storage, water production and wildlife protection. We know that there are eminent scientists, leaders in their scientific fields are telling us that native forests are vital to not only themselves to be living in their own right, but to all life on Earth. And it is going to take more work from citizens across Australia to keep standing up for these forests, to not vote for the governments that continue to allow for this logging and for us to just rise up. There really needs to be a bigger movement. And uh, I think that why we still got this logging going on, it's because there's an entrenched culture that is just becoming more and more dangerous to think that logging native forests is okay. Have you heard about the recent decision by Bunnings to refuse timber from Vic Forests? The decision from Bunnings follows a landmark victory and what a great victory that was for people who have been working for forests for so long across Australia and especially those in Victoria who won the Friends of Leadbeater's Possum case. And and we know being out in the forests and, and experiencing over decades of, of seeing these practices by big forests, Sus Timbers Tasmania and the New South Wales Logging Agency, that there is a problem. And so for that to be proven in the federal court and for that victory to be had then leads a company like Bunnings to understand that it's a no-brainer, that the, the native forest uh, logging timber product that they are receiving has no social licence and is only a conflict source timber and needs to be ruled out. So we are looking forward to Bunnings making a nationwide move to rule out native forests from all other forests as well because it's important to understand that the practices that are going on in Victoria's forests are the same now across Tasmania, across New South Wales and we really look forward to Bunnings being a leader and bringing a whole lot of other corporations along with them to rule out having native forests as a source of supply into their, their chain. And I think the thing is, is that Bunnings sees the writing on the wall because uh, consumers also need to be able to, to not buy products that are contributing to the vast logging of threatened species habitat, carbon stores, and those big trees that just need to be left standing for the value that they bring uh, for storing carbon and protecting so many, many incredible wildlife. I mean, to think that the Leadbeater possum is able to be an iconic species to win a victory in the federal court, that was remarkable and, and so important. Does that mean Bunnings are still buying timber from New South Wales state forests? 
Bunnings is still receiving timber from controversial logging practices in Tasmania, in New South Wales, uh, and it's important that uh, people understand that while Bunnings have made a very important step, uh, they still have a lot of work to do to rule out other controversial logging sources. And it was today that we saw people in New South Wales, green groups in New South Wales, call for Bunnings to extend to New South Wales its recent halt of sourcing native timber from Victoria State Forest. The Nature Conservation Council of New South Wales has led today by writing to Bunnings saying they fear New South Wales State Forest could end up filling any supply shortfall and uh, Bob Brown Foundation will be doing the same thing because Bunnings does source native timber from Tasmania, New South Wales, Queensland and Western Australia and so we, we look forward to following up with Bunnings and asking for uh, ruling out all native forest timber, not just illegally logged timber, which is a very important uh, step that Bunnings has made, but they need to do more. There are so many other Australian companies that make and sell things made from timber and paper. Officeworks, Harvey Norman, Forty Winks, all the furniture and stationery stores. You know, reflex paper has been boycotted for a long time. Jenny, the consumer campaign asking people not to buy things made from imported rainforest timber and Australian native forest timber has been going on for at least 35 years and we still haven't cleaned up the furniture and paper industry. It seems to take so long to change consumption habits. Yeah, I mean, the thing that isn't taking so long is the climate emergency and we're all starting to experience it and feel it and and we know that logging contributes largely to greenhouse gas emissions and removing uh, ecosystems that are important for mitigating climate change. So it is been a long haul for a lot of people who have been campaigning for the protection of uh, native forests. Um, we are still way back in an archaic age here in Tasmania where people are thinking it's okay to be cutting ancient rainforests out of the tarkine and use them for building, you know, they, they're calling it a natural source. Look, it's very clear that tracts of eucalyptus forests and rainforests across Australia have vastly diminished. There's been an incredible impact on the ecosystems and the wildlife that depend on them. And we have a lot more work to do. Uh, we have a lot more lifting of people to get up and out of their um, mindset that it's okay to log native forests because it's not anymore. You're with Earth Matters. I'm Beck Horridge. And today I'm talking to Jenny Weber from the Bob Brown Foundation about the desecration of the Tarkine wilderness by logging and defenders who are standing up to save it and about how we choose our timber and paper products. We know that the koalas, the greater gliders, the quolls, the devils, wedge-tailed eagles, all of these species that rely on forests are among many of the animals killed by logging. We're just not seeing that. Some of the most alarming research, I think, for people who really all they care about is themselves or that all they care about is humans, is to understand that logging increases bushfire risks. So that fantastic research that's been coming out of the ANU and here in Tasmania we've had recently uh, Jamie Kirkpatrick and, and his fellow scientists also prove that logging increases bushfire risks. Look, forests are irreplaceable carbon banks and Australia has more than enough plantations already to meet its wood needs. We don't need to be putting new plantations in and logging is responsible for massive immediate emissions. So everything is written up on the wall and it's been written up on the wall for as long as you've been around in the campaign, 25 years or more. 
and uh, we just need to get back to the grind and keep on pushing and that's what we're doing here at the foundation is just you know really going to build that conversation nationally to say native forest logging needs to end and there are far too many entrenched mindsets that think it's okay. Annie, it's very hard to persuade an Aussie to build a deck from anything other than native timber. Recycled timber is very popular, but products like recycled plastic planks haven't really caught on that much. Homeowners still covet that real hardwood look, even though to me it stinks of extinction and it's expensive. Yeah, you see, the thing is, is that the world hasn't caught up quite yet. There are some incredible developments out there, I'm sure, in recycled plastic. You know, there are companies out there that are doing things that are going to benefit the planet in the long term. But you're right, there is an entrenched mindset, as I said, about people thinking that the best use of hardwood timber is on their deck, in their furniture. Harvey Norman, you mentioned earlier, is a massive company who are receiving enormous amounts of Tasmanias and timber from elsewhere in Australia right into those showroom floors that people are picking up all that furniture and it's uh, hardwood. Consumer campaigns are really powerful and we're seeing it play out really nicely now with the Adani campaign and and the incredible work of market forces. Uh, When there is a concerted consumer campaign targeting companies, it's a valuable, uh, very important component of a campaign because our government's are too conservative and are not doing what is needed for the planet and in this case for the forests. There are so many people out there still who won't use treated pine for for good reason. There's problems with with treated pine. However, it comes back to one of the major problems with the enormous population that we have consuming at an enormous rate. And, And this is something that Bob Brown often talks to us about and talks to the public about how many planets we are consuming. And so not only is it important to protect native forests and not only is it important for people to find an alternative to the hardwoods that they're using when they're building, but there's a fundamental crisis going on and that is the the rate of consumption of everything that surrounds us in the planet. I don't believe that it's important for people to sit around and think about, well, what are the alternatives before we protect the forests? Protect the forests and then work it out. Uh, Protect the forests and, you know, the people who lose their jobs will need to be given a just transition. But we're talking about an industry that has had an enormous amount of taxpayer investment. I'd be interested to see how it rates amongst other industries and the rate of investment and taxpayer subsidies that it's given And in Tasmania, for example, you'd be hard-pressed to find one that has been as uh, subsidised as the Tasmanian logging industries. Let's just get on with protecting it and leaving it intact so it can uh, provide what it can for the, the climate and for our survival and for it to just keep growing in its own right and then start looking at how we can have alternatives. Uh, there's some great timber workers in the Tasmanian community who talk about the amount of recycled timber that is available out there. There's some really great initiatives being done uh, with recycled products. When a supply is cut, which one day it will be anyway, um, when it's all gone, let's just cut the supply now and work out what to do later because it's those forests that need to be left standing. If you are listening today and feel compelled to take action, 
uh, get in touch with the Bob Brown Foundation. We are very open to people getting in touch and working with you on how you can take action. Uh, write to your local member and ask them what they're doing about your local issue that affects the planet and climate and wildlife. And, I, and I'm confident that there's many of you who within an hour's drive has a beautiful part of uh, Australia's forests that you can go and visit and find out more about what the threats are to those forests. Uh, there are absolutely 100% post-consumer paper products that you can buy. I just absolutely implore you to always buy recycled, 100% post-consumer recycled paper products. It's a very first step to helping to protect forests in Australia. And uh, yeah, get involved where you can. But first step, I'd say, is getting in touch with the Bob Brown Foundation and joining us and, and seeing how you can support our campaigns to protect some of the last tracks of ancient forests in Tasmania and further afield as we support people across the country in their fight to end native forest logging as well. Jenny Weber, thank you so much for talking to Earth Matters and we do appreciate your many years of work to save our forests. Thank you, Beth. No worries. Well, news from the Kalang River Forest Alliance. On the morning of June 29th, two people stopped logging when they locked onto a harvester putting their arms through the machine tracks at Wild Cattle Creek State Forest in an area earmarked recently by the New South Wales government as a priority area for koala conservation. This was on Gumbungia country. Well, the forest defenders followed the machinery to Wild Cattle Creek after they retreated from Nambaka State Forest after weeks of ongoing community protests against the destruction of important cultural sites and the Thinaid Forest destruction. Gumbengia custodians are demanding Forestry Corporation stop the logging of all their country as there has been no conciliation or consent. That day's event tied in with multiple actions taking place around the country to put an end to native forest logging from Wild Cattle Creek State Forest in North New South Wales to Nambaka State Forest to the forest near Ulladulla in New South Wales and in Victoria and in Tasmania, citizens have been stepping up taking action to draw attention to continued logging of forests. Forest Conservation Victoria writes on its Facebook site that on June 29th, logging operations were shut down across seven areas throughout Victoria and New South Wales. In Victoria, Black Range to Langy, Lakes Entrance and Mount Disappointment. And there were also protests staged at the Pyrenees State Forest and Darabin right up and down the East Coast and in Western Australia, they've started a Forests for Climate campaign. Now, there's been a large-headed koala, a very big koala, that's been seen at some protests and also in the streets of Ballingen, holding placards with demands for the New South Wales government to protect koala habitat. Earth Matters caught up with the Kalang koala online. Morning. I'm just a koala. Some people call me Save Kalang because that's where I'm from. I used to be there, but I'm not anymore because it's all been logged. I've made a manifesto. It's got six points. One, stop logging koala habitat. Everywhere humans go, they just get their chainsaws and they log habitat. It's terrible, particularly the forestry people. Two, End development in koala habitat. That's all the other logger people who work for the people that build houses. 
Oh, all our habitats being destroyed by houses. Three. List the koala as endangered. If you want to do something really useful, put us on the threatened species list so no one does bad things to us. Four. Map and protect koala habitat. Because if you know where we are, and we're listed as endangered, and you're not logging, and you're not developing, then we've got a bit of a chance of survival. Five. In New South Wales particularly, create the Great Koala National Park because it's a big area that's full of koalas and it's being chopped down right now and the best use for that place is to make it a national park. And six, this one gets me really annoyed, is we koalas are fed up with all these token projects, you know. They do things like give a million dollars to a town that's got three koalas and call it the centre of the koala habitat. Or they do these things called biodiversity offsets where they destroy our habitat and then pay someone for their habitat somewhere else. That's it, really. If you do all that, you'll have koalas till well after 2050. Bye! You have been listening to Earth Matters. This edition was produced for Radio 3CR in Nam, Melbourne, Wurundjeri country, and broadcast nationally on the Community Radio Network. If you'd like to get in touch with the Earth Matters team, you can email us at earthmatters3cr at gmail.com or visit our Facebook on Earth Matters 3CR Radio. And to listen to or to share editions of Earth Matters, you can find this and all the Earth Matters podcasts at 3cr.org.au forward slash Earth Matters. Look out for more from the Earth Matters team next week. I'm Beck Horridge. Thank you for tuning in. And now, Sounds of the Dawn in the Tarkine from Listening Earth.